What is up, everybody? Thank you all for joining me on the latest Mortcast, part of the CSG Network. I'm, of course, your host, Jeff Morton. I apologize for my voice. I think I'm coming down with something. I'm recording this on a Sunday, and uh, um, I don't know when I'm going to release this. But anyway, uh, I had an idle thought after I was uh, talking to Adam Marez on uh, the last CSG. I would like to everyone to check that out. It was a good conversation about coaching and, you know, whatnot. Um, and I brought up the correlation between the this year's Denver Nuggets um, home road schedule and the 2012-13 Denver Nuggets. Uh, the 12-13 Denver Nuggets were um, uh, very unusual for many reasons. Um, in the offseason, um, Masai Ujiri had made the big gambit to trade Aaron Aflalo uh, and the right, a first round, um, pick swap that the Nuggets had with the, uh, Knicks to get, uh, Andrea Godala in part of a four team trade, a very rare four team trade, uh, that resulted in Dwight Howard going to the Los Angeles Lakers from Orlando. So this was, um, this was a big, uh, stew of a trade and, and much like what Masai Ujiri did with, uh, Kawhi Leonard back in, uh, 2019, uh, excuse me, 18. Um, it was a, a gambit to get, you know, push, you know, forward, get this. And actually Iguodala was in London at the, uh, at the Olympics, uh, for, uh, the team USA. So he, he found out about it there. Mark Kisla was out there. Um, later we learned that, you know, uh, Iguodala was less than thrilled about the proposition of playing in Denver and likely because he was looking forward to free agency, among other reasons. But regardless, one of the things that made that season, the 12-13 season, really unusual was the heavy, and I do mean heavy, uh, home road um, disparity that manifested in its schedule. And the reason that ended up looking like that is that about 2011 is when the complaining about the Denver Nuggets um, home court advantage reached an absolute crescendo. Jason Kidd uh, was among those people who was complaining the loudest. Um, and uh, he wasn't a coach then. He was a player then. Um, and there were elements of this that were just well beyond regular whining that you get from coaches. This was NBA had decided to do something about it. So they started eliminating and trying to schedule the nuggets around eliminating the, the ending a trip in Denver on, you know, having Denver being the last game of a road trip or ending the Pacific to mountain time zone back to back. Um, which would generally tire people out. And uh, they really began in earnest the year before, uh, after the lockout. And then it really manifested itself in a major way in the 12-13 season, where the Nuggets played 22 of their first 32 games on the road, which was, I've never seen anything like that. Um, I do know that people in San Antonio and Houston and uh, L.A., 
well, with the Lakers and the Clippers had, had experienced stuffing like that before because of the, it used to be the Grammys road trip in LA and the rodeo road trips in uh, Houston and uh, very specifically uh, San Antonio. So it, it, they would get a very long road trip, but it wasn't this huge disparity between home and road for the first uh 32 games and the Nuggets emerged from that 17 and 15 and they started off the season 0 and 4. Honestly, the fact that they were able to uh, come out of that with a two games above 500 record was incredible. This Nuggets team, uh, it, it, you had, you know, you hear a lot of complaining about it this year, and this is 10 years later, so obviously travel is even better. Our knowledge of sports medicine is even better. All of that, and still, you still hear a lot of complaining about what the Nuggets have had to go through with this heavy road um, um, slate that they've had um, to start the year for the first 26 games. But that wouldn't, didn't even come close to what how bad it was in 12-13. Um, there was... There was such a disparity there that it really it is hard to translate and to, to get people who weren't around or weren't really understanding, not really understanding, but weren't around. Weren't, the, 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 the people who probably weren't watching basketball then don't understand how what severe that was. I've never seen anything like it. Um, and the Nuggets were exhausted. And one thing that being on the road constantly does is it keeps you from practicing. Uh, and that Nuggets team had to come together. Basically, a, a new-ish Nuggets team. You know, this was the one that featured Daniel Gallinari, uh, uh, Ty Lawson, Kenneth Fareed, JaVale McGee, Andre Iguodala, uh, Costa Kufos, uh, Timofey Mozgov, Ivan Fournier, who was a rookie, rookie that year. Um, really, it, it, this is what that team had to kind of come together on the fly, and that 0-4 record to start the year really proved it. Uh, I don't have a ton of sympathy for this Nuggets team um, this year because they haven't had to suffer near, through nearly anything like that. And that was 10 years ago. And I think there is a correlation, though, because if we're going to draw any sort of uh, correlation between what the Nuggets did in 2012-13 and now is that... Bringing forth from where the Nuggets they began their heavy home section, um, right now is when the Nuggets are going to be hitting their home stride. In two in two thousand thirteen, twelve thirteen, they didn't do it till two thousand thirteen. It was January. Um, they had ten. I think it was ten of twelve uh, home games that in in the month of January. Ten. They were they were basically at home for an entire month uh, based on the way the schedule played out. And it was incredible. And that is really what allowed them to um, have 57 wins because after going 17 and 15, they won, they went 40 and 10. So the last 50 games of the year, the Nuggets won, went 40 and 10, which was the, uh, what, uh, the 78 Blazers record was when Bill Walton got injured in uh, uh, in 1978. So obviously, you know, that is a great thing. And, you know, the Nuggets really hit their stride until Gallo's injury. Everyone, everything else is history. I'm not going to rehash all of that. 
Um, so this Nuggets team is going to be hitting a stretch where they have 20 of 25 at home, I think, uh, is the way this is going to break down. Um, but at the same time, it, it you know, if, if everything breaks the same way, the Denver Nuggets should be able to get some cushion here. Um, and in the second half of the podcast, I'm going to talk about how just how thoroughly mediocre the Western Conference is this year. I've never, I haven't seen it this mediocre in ages. Um, but this is a, maybe since the nineties, but this is a, uh, um, a Nuggets team that can make some hay while the sun shines. And then, and, and my concern with the home slate is this Denver Nuggets team under Michael Malone, aside from one year, really has not been a great home team. And a lot of that has to do with uh, the way they play. This team plays uh, very slow. Um, They don't take advantage of the altitude. Uh, They don't run teams out of the gym that are coming in on the second night of a back-to-back. Um, they, they just do not play the same way. It is a function of what Josh Kroenke wanted. And this is not me making this stuff up or, nor is it me talking about things that are off the record. Josh Kroenke admitted this in 2013 after he fired George Carl. Um, the modus operandi of the organization was going to be, they are going to become a more defensive focused, slower team. And one of the, and it was evidenced by the people who uh, Josh was interviewing for the head coaching s- slot before Tim Connolly was hired. Uh, um, he was interviewing guys like uh, um, Lionel Hollins, he inter- obviously Brian Shaw, uh, guys who were known for half court, slow it down offenses. And now, obviously, the gamut didn't work for, for George Carr, for, excuse me, for uh, Brian Shaw. Uh, and it has, you know, worked largely because of Nikola Jokic, um, and his ability as a half court wizard in the, in the Malone era, you know, in order to, to run a slowish team, you're going to have to have someone who can run a half court offense without that. You just, you just, you you know, you're going to be lost. And fortunately for the Nuggets, Nikola Jokic has been here in order to, uh, right the ship. If this was just Jamal, um, Jamal doesn't really run an offense. In fact, he came into the league not as a point guard. He was a shooting guard at Kentucky. So this is not exactly a uh, team that is loaded with point guards, and especially now that Monte Morris is gone. Um, and they got Ish Smith, but, you know, that's about it. Yeah, you know, Bones is not exactly what you would call a, a table setter. Um, we are now at a point where this Nuggets team, even with this advantage of it being at home, needs to be able to make it an actual home court advantage this nuggets team has tended to struggle with that they don't press the advantage like they should adam Ares and i really talked about that on the last podcast adam and i can both know that that uh, there is an inherent advantage to playing in denver that this team has just ignored for the last 10 years and the the assumption is that if you're a good enough team, you'll have a great home record, which is probably true. I mean, that's, that's I'm not going to argue with that basic premise. If you have a good team, the the things even out. Um, and if you're a good team, the cream rises to the top, and you're going to win anyway. My issue has always been you have an advantage; you might as well use it. Um, and this team plays so slow that it's just you just never see it. And these teams come in energized. They're not, they're not tired twice this year. We've had teams come in on second nights of back to back and win. Uh, 
um, and uh, Dallas and New York, and uh, very nearly Utah did uh, this their last this last game. Uh, so you know I'm recording this shortly after the Utah game, which has you know, I'm not going to talk about this. I'm going to leave that to others to talk about that game, but. It, it, it almost happened again there and it's and it's it, it's exceedingly frustrating it's it's I'm, I've never seen encountered a nuggets team not use its advantage like this um, and hopefully hopefully in this stretch of games that the nuggets play um, at home uh, for the next up till mid-january I think hopefully this nuggets team will be able to press that advantage and really come up in a western conference that is beyond beyond mediocre right now and i'll get to that on the second side of the podcast but first i want to talk to you about blanchard family wines located between 18th and 19th and blake and wazee in beautiful lower downtown denver colorado just a couple blocks away from course field right in the middle of the dairy block they are always online at bfwdenver.com oh it's actually bfw colorado now.com uh let me correct that bfw colorado so if you want to go to bfwcolorado.com you can pick yourself up a bottle uh, and get yourself any of their selection uh, if you go into blanchard family wines you can uh, pick up their um their uh their selection of wines from sonoma county or local colorado wines and they've got an entire array of those that are exceedingly popular colteris uh storm cellar um you know, restoration, um, anything. They've got a call, uh, a Colorado Pinot that is actually very light. If you just are into just a drinking, uh, Pinot, it's, it's really good. It's not, it's not too heavy, not too dry either. It's, it's, it's pretty good. Um, so if you go to bfwdefcolorado.com, uh, you can uh, book yourself a table uh, if you want to go in, or um, you can uh, pick yourself up a bottle. Um, they also got partnerships with Western Slope Wineries. Once again, they're located between 18th and 19th in Blake and Wazee, beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado, just a couple blocks away from Coors Field, right in the middle of the dairy block. They're always online at bfwcolorado.com. They're on Facebook and Instagram and are Blanchard Family Wines. When you go in or you talk to them, tell them Jeff Morton from CSG Podcast sent you there. The Western Conference is about as m- mediocre as I have seen it in uh, 30 years. Well, maybe even less than that, 25 years. In the 90s, when the, in the Jordan era, Jordan, you know, the the Eastern Conference didn't have the best conference, but the cream was at the top. You had the, the, the Bulls, the Knicks, the, the Pacers. You had um, all these teams that really uh, were duking it out i mean you you know you can even go back to the late 80s with the pistons and uh it it was a team it was a conference that while like i said it wasn't um as even as the western conference has always been it it certainly was um the top and at the top it really was so taxing that by the time the bulls got there um uh they they were battle tested and same thing with the pistons and that really that dominance ended after jordan retired and was replaced by the lake the the spurs and the lakers in the western conference and the western conference dominance really has extended since jordan's retirement in 98 um, this year is about as mediocre as I've ever seen in the NBA that just teams are just not very good. 
one of the most ex- surprising things is um, Golden State has complete inability to win on the road. I think they won twice. Uh, I think they're two and twelve, two and ten, two and twelve now. And it's like in their team, they just won a title. And then of course they're on, they're they're like the old '80s Nuggets where they can't win on the road and they win every game at home. And it really is. It's it really truly looks like that. Um, and at the top, you've got uh, jostling is the the Nuggets, the the Pelicans, and the uh, Grizzlies. Coming up in the back end of it, you still have you know. Uh, uh, teams such as the Clippers who are basically have decided that they will rest their play. I don't know what the Clippers are doing. Um, the Clippers could be a, a 60 win team if they actually had the, their players play. Um, and that is, uh, that is something that we could, uh, be investigating, um, in a future podcast. Cause that's really kind of fucked up as far as I'm concerned. Um, you know, you got the Timberwolves who are struggling. Our old friend Tim Conley um, with incorporating Rudy Gobert and all that stuff. Uh, you are seeing other things that come into um, into the picture, and the picture is a a a conference that has a lot of talent, but not a lot of great teams, and you're seeing it across the board. Really across the board, the two great teams in the NBA are in the Eastern Conference. It's uh, Boston and uh, uh, Milwaukee. So obviously, all this is is just influencing a very influx and weird Western Conference. And the reason I bring that up is there is no reason for the Denver Nuggets not to press this advantage and rise and stay at the top of this this conference. Um, there is nothing I see on the horizon that's going to come in that's going to rescue some of these really mediocre teams that have permeated the Western Western Conference. Um, I don't see the Blazers rising to the top. Um, the the Mavericks uh, don't. I mean, they beat the Nuggets uh, last week or earlier this week, as of this recording, and it was. Uh, it was one of those things where the Nuggets actually were uh, could have and should have won that game. Uh, if Jamal Murray was uh, better that game, the Nuggets would have won. Um, Luka is having an MVP of performance, but it's basically him and nobody on that squad. Um, obviously, you got super tanking teams like uh, Houston and San Antonio. Um you have a Lakers team that is extremely mediocre and vacillates between good wins and terrible losses. Um, it is this conference is just bizarre, and then you, and for, as a result, you have teams like Sacramento, who I don't know how good they are. I mean, I, I have not seen them uh, personally, but um, they play according to what I've been able to piece together, like that 2012-13 Denver Nuggets team. Um, kind of free and fun. Um, so, you know, maybe, maybe they're a team that could rise up, but who knows at this point, this conference is so, (laughs) and I think the Nuggets would be remiss and they would be doing themselves a big, big disservice if during this stretch of basketball, when they're at home, if they don't take advantage of this and really rise to the top, this is where the Nuggets can do this and then be able to survive the rest of the of the their schedule but you know we're 26 games in right now folks 
And if the Nuggets really aren't, have ambitions or any more than this, considering that Michael Porter Jr. is still out, um, if they have any ambitions on making this more than just a um, uh, just a good year, they need to take advantage of the fact that this conference is not exactly great. Um, the Phoenix Suns um, are not a they 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 somehow have a lot of wins and they're not particularly a good team. Um, they have had some horrific losses and it looks like the, uh, the, that, uh, uh, who, who did they play? Um, uh, did, 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 oh, the, the, the Pelicans, the Pelicans reveled in humiliating them. Um, and this is some of this is, uh, turned about as fair play. I'll be honest with you with this Phoenix team that did the same. But Phoenix isn't any big deal right now. Um, so, like, why not the Nuggets? You know, and, and I'm not going to predict doom. I'm not going to give any place any value judgments on this. I'm just going to say right now is the time for the Nuggets to make their move. They need to do this. Much like the 12-13 team uh, did in January of 2013, they need to press their advantage and come out ahead and really make this their journey to the top of the conference. This is their this is their moment. Whenever Mike gets back, obviously they're going to incorporate him in, but no better time to incorporate Michael Porter Jr. than at home for a long stretch of basketball. Do it now. And this team, you know, in the come the playoff time, have home court advantage. And we'll see how that this this turns out. I mean, like I said, this conference is just not shaping up to be the 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 best. Uh, obviously, this is looking more like the 90s with the top teams being in the East, but the rest of the conference being a joke. Um, you can kind of see that with the Eastern Conference, um, but the, the the mediocrity of the Western Conference is really telling right now. And the Nuggets should take this opportunity and the advantage of where the schedule has laid out and just really kind of make this them. This is their time. This is the Nuggets' time. And I think... If they do play this out correctly, take advantage of the schedule. The next two games are against weak opponents um, and really start to rack up these wins. This Nuggets team will be in great position come mid-January, February to kind of get to the rest of their schedule and survive out the rest of the year. Um, obviously, the, 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 the quality of opponents is higher in this home stretch. Um, so that is something to consider. This Nuggets team is needing to, uh, have a, have to win these games at home, but play at a high level. They can't coast. We'll see if they're able to do it. I mean, I, I'm much like the 2012, 13 Nuggets. I'm, I'm kind of, I'm optimistic about this home slate. And if the Nuggets play their cards right, they could be ending up at the top of the con conference come the end of the year. All right, thank you all for joining me in the latest Morecast. I'll be back soon with another episode. Goodbye.